Hello friends, welcome to another episode of the TFC Audio Project. On this episode of Nerd Talk, I have a conversation with Clayton Weekly. We talk about climbing, we talk about our TFC Climb Project that's aiming to improve the shape of climbing shoes. We chat about mobility and his awesome online mobility membership project. And we chat about the TFC product manufacturing philosophy, which was heavily inspired by Yvonne Chouinard of Patagonia. And really it just reflects a focus on quality and making less, but making better products. I really enjoyed the conversation with Clayton, and I hope you can take something away from it that you can use to improve your own life. This episode of the podcast is sponsored by TFC App. With an expanding global tribe of foot nerds, we set out to create a platform with TFC App that would allow the tribe to share our our learning journey with others and inspire people around the world to live a more natural lifestyle. The reality is that only you can be the, the hero of your own health journey, and we wanted to create a free app that delivers you the information the guidance, and the inspiration to reconnect with health. We'll be releasing a soft launch of TFC app on October 1st, along with a full public release and activation of all the TFC app features on November 1st. To download the app, you simply click on the link in our Instagram bio, or you can look up TFC app on the iOS app store or Google app store. This episode of the podcast is also sponsored by the Roasters Pack. Our team at TFC head office in Ottawa are big fans of coffee, and this Canadian company provides a unique subscription service that delivers you three awesome coffees to your door each month and gives you the entire story behind each of the craft roasters that the beans come from. You can check out theroasterspack.com and use the code FOOT at checkout for 7 bucks off your first month of any subscription. This episode is also sponsored by our travel partner, Nanook Protective Hard Cases, which we use to transport gear to and from our seminars and workshops. They make super high quality cases in Canada that can keep your electronics safe during travel. And you can check out what they sell at nanuk.com, nanook.com. Hope you enjoy this episode. Let's dig in. It's the TFC Audio Project. It's a collective effort. Help people understand their bodies, starting at the feet are the gateway for people to see that there's an issue. You know, a foot conversation is always a whole body conversation. Hey folks, Nick here, back for another episode of The Audio Project. Uh, today's episode of Nerd Talk is going to feature a very special human. He is, um, I've been working on alongside this guy for a few neat years now with TFC. He's the director of TSC USA. He's the leader of TFC Climb. And, uh, and he's also a member of the Nerd Tribe. So uh, he happens to be one of the nicest humans I know. And uh, the guest today is Clayton Weekly, uh, known as Clayton.Moves on Instagram. What's up, Clayton? What's up, dude? <laughs> Thank you for... Uh, hosting me this weekend. Um, we're in Pittsburgh right now. It's Sunday. We wrapped up a seminar yesterday and Clayton was nice enough to welcome me into his home to share some space with uh, Cecil, his dog. <laughs> um, and it's just funny. We were talking the other day. It's funny how time flies because, you know, someone asked yesterday, how long have you guys known each other? And both of us kind of looked at each other and were like, I think I have no idea. It's like we, <laughs> neither of us knew. Some we stretch had, of time. Yeah, we had no concept. But this morning we checked and it was like September 2017 was our first email. So that's two years and believe it or not, this is actually the first time myself and Clayton had met in person. So it's funny how much you can connect and do stuff with people from a distance because of technology. Um, but I think you'd agree it never beats meeting someone in person, totally. you know, giving them a hug and having a conversation where you can see their face. So Yeah, I mean, I'm um, a hugger. So, I mean, yeah. like it was yeah, no, no brainer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so maybe to start, let's start with like a one minute intro to the world. If they, no one knows, if someone doesn't know who Clayton is, which you should because we've, 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 uh, 
crossed paths on social media before, but uh, tell the world who you are, what you're about, and uh, you know what what gets you jazzed up every day. Yeah, so um, my name's Clayton, and um, what really gets me jazzed is rock climbing. Like we'll definitely riff on rock climbing. Yeah, um, I know we'll we talked about that. about yeah <laughs> before, but um, yeah, I uh, have a background in exercise physiology um, and a masters in helping people learn how to make behavior change, um, specifically focused around chronic disease and obesity, but really strong driver between behavior change. And uh, I just enjoy helping people. Um, and so the line of work that I'm doing right now, um, I didn't necessarily see myself doing per se. Um, and what I mean by that is I just wanted to solve my own issues. Like I was experiencing tons of back pain, lots of issues. I wasn't moving well, wasn't feeling well. I was in pain constantly. It was like the first thing I thought about when I woke up, you know, first thing I worried about, like going on travel, um, sitting in a car for two hours. Um, playing a pickup game of frisbee like I just always was worried about my pain and whether or not it would kind of hindrance me from doing what I loved and what's funny is to the outside person they wouldn't have known you were the kind of like you didn't look broken down you look like an athlete you could do all the cool yoga stuff and it's funny because the people who sometimes look the most athletic and problem free to the outside world are the people that are like I have pain a lot totally totally and a lot of people are starting to highlight that on social media saying like it's not the aesthetics. It's not the ego driven, like, look what I can do kind of thing. It's more of like, man, I just want to feel good. Like, yeah. you know, like, and, uh, it's funny that like people can kind of create this facade of like, you know, what they're all about and like how they want to emulate themselves and how other people want to see them. But, you know, I was in a lot of pain and I was frustrated. I was sad. I was depressed, you know, and it was something that, you know, I was so young and I was like, feeling that bad and, you know, back surgery was on the table. Like, you know, I was talking to the different Man, orth crazy. orthopedic specialists and I'm like, no, like, you know, and it, it like, you know, it was, it was a tough pill to swallow. But so then the reason I got into this type of work, mobility training and, you know, what I'm doing today is the initial attention was just, I want to get out of pain. I want to solve, you know, what's wrong with me. And, yeah. you know, you hop on YouTube, you hop on Google and you're like, oh, yeah, I've got cancer AIDS, right? It's like, it's, <laughs> it's you know, like you, you don't want to go down that self-diagnosis rabbit hole and we can, you know, maybe talk about that. But um, I think it's important to, you know, really, if you want to learn something, you have to learn from something who, you know, can definitely teach you the depths of it. And just yeah. skimming something superficially is not going to give you the understanding that you need to, solve like deep seated, you know, complicated issues. Yeah. So, um, and that's with anything, movement, you know, psychology, whatever. Um, and it's always worthwhile. Like when it comes to the body, what I always tell people is like, it's not an expense in time or money to learn about your body, to, you know, dedicate some time to understanding how your body works. Cause guess what? It comes in really handy, yeah. right? It's a good investment, understanding a bit more about health to help you be healthy, not only helps you and your, your loved ones, but it, it helps you forever. Totally. It's not like this, it's, and, and I always have started to tell people like health is not a destination. It's not an end point where, oh, now I'm healthy. Great. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, it's a process that you do your entire life because we always have this overarching cloud above us, which is modern society. And it's not engineered for health in terms of what our natural state is supposed to be, which is, you know, pain free, moving well, moving all day. Um, and, and I think what you said is powerful because the people that I've, I've come across in my life that are the best at teaching others are the people who have had the biggest struggles themselves and had to basically self-teach themselves about how to understand this. Mm -hmm. And they then kind of fell into the role of, okay, well, I think now I have a responsibility to share this because this is powerful stuff. And it doesn't take a rocket scientist to understand how to get out of back pain, which is weird because all the really smart people you went to could not give you the tangible advice to get rid of it. Right. So it's this, yeah, it's this very weird thing where you just have to take responsibility and basically commit 
to understanding. Absolutely. And it takes, you know, self-reliance. And that's what I really love to teach my clients and anyone I work with is like, your responsibility is, is you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm not going to solve your issues. I can be a co-facilitator and I can be a guide, but I'm not going to be your guru. I'm not going to have yeah. your answers. Like a lot of times I don't know. Um, and you know, I will teach you the skills to kind of how to navigate those waters of uncertainty. Um, and just wanted to highlight the one point you had talked about is that, you know, you only get this one body, right? You get this mm -hmm. one meat suit, right? Like, yep. and you're not leasing it. Like, you know, yeah. you, you fuck up your car, like, yeah, you oh, I'll it. just get a new car, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, no, no, this is, this is what you get. And, you know, if you don't take care of it and if you don't learn about it, like, you know, like you said, a lot of people know more about their cars and their body. How crazy is that? It like, is crazy. you know what I mean? Like you only get this one vehicle to carry you through life. And if it starts breaking down at 30, which a lot of people, it does, you know what yeah. I mean? Like in 40, 50, 60, guess what? When you go to retire, you know, whenever that is, you're going to be broken and you're going to be unhappy because you can't travel to Thailand. You can't, you know, go on that hiking trip. Yeah. You can't go on that excursion because you're in pain. Like pain is an inhibitor, you know, and it's, it's something pretty serious. And when talking about like joint hygiene, taking care of, you know, each part of your body, you know, you say you take care of your, your teeth, you know, but like, if you don't, you have a toothache, you can still travel to Thailand. Yeah. You can get a new you, tooth. Yeah. It works okay. <laughs> yeah, it's it, you get by. <laughs> I don't think a new hip part works as well as our natural parts. Exactly. Like, if your hip is yeah. like, you know, not working well and giving you pain and on your mind all the time, guess what? That's going to impact your ability to travel, you know, yeah. play with your grandchildren. That it's a big thing. So, mm -hmm. you know, that that's that's where it came for me. Like I, I just wanted to figure out what wasn't working well in my body, make it work well, and then that was my only intention. But then once I started learning about what actually mobility training was, and started to like take out some of the guesswork and actually have like a systematic way to, you know, analyze what's working well, you know, head, shoulders, knees and toes, every single joint in your body. And then you can make a list like, okay, my right shoulder doesn't work. My left hip doesn't work. My right knee is wonky as hell. You know, mm -hmm. like, I don't know what's going on there. Um, but then you have this list and you have kind of a roadmap on how you can work through those issues. And then there, it's not a death sentence, you know, like, yeah. you know, once you find these findings, you know, I don't want people to be scared. It's just like, it's information. Yeah. You know, it's like, if you want to like lose weight, you have to be aware of how much you're taking in, how much yeah. you're moving. It's all data. And I think the awareness part is the biggest thing. Like if you were aware that you were lacking, like if you were aware that you could find out leading indicators before you started getting back pain, if you were aware that you were missing mobility in key areas or you weren't moving very well, um, you probably would have worked on it before the pain got to the point where it was like near catastrophic, right? right? But no one was able to provide an awareness to things that weren't a problem until they were a problem. I couldn't identify the linchpins, you know? Yeah. And I think that's part of the problem. And I think that's, you know, this whole thing of, uh, you know, I come from a physiotherapy background and we guess a lot right now. And it's a big problem because it's, it's basically what's taught to us, right? We're not taught to, um, use a system. We're not taught to use the equivalent of the eye chart that eye doctors use. Like if you go get glasses and your doc and your, um, the eye doctor doesn't even get you to look at an eye chart. You'd probably be like, Hey, are we, uh, are we missing something here? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Are we, are, did we skip over a really important part? Yeah. And yet, you know, it exists in the world of movement in terms of functional movement screen or, you know, a detailed, um, assessment on how much mobility competency do you have? How much can you move your parts? How much do your parts move mm -hmm. um those exist and we can break that down but it seems like the people that are most important and have the biggest access to people that need help 
aren't cluing in to the simple things that we need to do better. Um, and you know, I think the, this lack of accountability in the health and rehab world where we use symptoms as the only metric for improvement is so pathetic and it's so crazy, Yeah. right? Like if we only diagnosed heart attacks after heart attacks happened, it would be crazy. You know, we know how to detect leading measures of like, okay, your, um, your blood pressure or, you know, you your have occlusions or something. Yeah. Like yeah. we can look at those things and be like, mm, we got to fix this or it could be something really nasty. Right. But like that exists for osteoarthritis, that, which is not a normal process that mm-hmm. exists for a lot of ba- like back pain. We can screen things and, and correct them before they become chronic back pain. And along with all the associated, you know, connecting things like, you know, an, an addiction or a reliance on drugs that cover up the pain without ever dealing with the cause. Like we need to get ahead of these problems. And I think, um, you know, mobility work and, and detecting mobility deficiencies before the problems happen is a big part of that. Dude, it's a it's a piece of the puzzle. I mean, it's a it's a big piece of the puzzle, but yeah. it's not the whole thing. I mean, you have psychosocial factors that go mm-hmm. into pain and like you know, how well are you sleeping? Like, how's your stress? Like, you know, all these other factors that definitely make up the big picture, but mobility and like, how well do you move and function, you know, on a mechanical level is like a huge part that just people just overlook. And they yeah. kind of, a lot of people just write it off as age. Oh, I'm 30 now. Oh, I'm 40 now. It's yeah, like, I know. no, it's like, 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 so weird. like stiffness, like inability to move effectively, um, you know, pain, it, it's common in our society, mm-hmm. but it's not normal, you know? Yeah. And I made a post about that a while ago and, you know, someone said, well, you know, like that could be misconstrued and like, like everything, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, and, but what uh, I'm trying to say is, um, that, you know, so many people are experiencing pain and dysfunction and like, oh yeah, my, my shoulder's not working well. And then just normalizing it across the board and then just, you know, tacking it up to like, oh, I'm just getting older, you yeah. know? And then, and then that's something that is out of your control. It's something external to you. And then mm-hmm. you can't, you can't control that. And then you become helpless. You, know, yeah. you, you become like, great. Um, you know, th- this is what I've got. And, you know, we, we watched a really cool uh, video. Um, you know, shout out to tiny desk. Um, yeah, I, tiny desk. I, okay. I, you yeah. opened my brain up to tiny desk, which I didn't even know was this thing. Yeah. And now I feel like there's a whole universe. I haven't explored of yeah. awesomeness. Welcome to the rabbit hole, man. Oh, man. That was awesome. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we watched this one tiny desk and I'm blanking on her name, but we can definitely like look it up later. But, um, she, you know, definitely had some, uh, you know, deformities with like a, a birth defect. And, uh, she was the absolute most incredible performer that I had seen in such a long time with just playing the violin. And she was, you know, based on her anthropometrics and she was playing it like a cello almost yeah, and, you know, seated and cool. different limb, you know, discrepancies and stuff. Um, but it didn't take away from her ability to express something beautiful and not really say, woe is me. I'm going to now, you know, curl up into a ball and not do anything, not create anything, not, yep. you know, contribute to society in the the form of expression you know i'm not talking about work or anything i'm just talking about like we all have these little gifts in us and you know it's the ability to share that is is the gift you know Mm -hmm. so she had such a unique voice such an ability to have a relationship with that instrument and 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 really blend the two and just like seeing her perform it like it was was so so cool and like you know so just seeing like having these you know limitations don't have to be something that you know, totally shut you down and totally, you know, limit your ability to lead a life that you want to live. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's something that when it's out of your control, when you have, uh, oh, you've got, you know, a bulging disc, oh, you've got, you know, limb discrepancy, oh, you've got, you know, piriformis syndrome, you have a, you know, pressing on this nerve of that, like, you know, the itis, the, the diagnosis is, you know, 
that we're really good at labeling people with weird terms right yeah i mean even things like oh like i i'm a diabetic hi my name's joan i'm a diabetic no joan like you are human who has diabetes you yes. have the inability to regulate your blood sugar you are not a diabetic like you know what i mean yeah. like and it's such a subtle difference but it's a powerful one and mm -hmm. you know if people it's huge because <laughs> on one side if you identify as a diabetic you have you're basically forfeiting control of any control over the fact that you can do something about being a diabetic or having diabetes and i think a lot of that gets played into by the medical community where we don't understand language well enough to basically be able to identify when we're putting labels on people and affecting them way beyond just telling them what's wrong but we're literally getting them to internalize and basically ship off any locus of control because now they are a person they are a an osteoarthritic person mm. they're not a person with osteoarthritis and they're given no like we're really good at telling them what's wrong but we're terrible at telling them what to do about it and we're even worse at telling them why it actually was there in the first place mm. and i think most of the times just because we don't have an awareness of the root cause of these things because we're so fixated on symptom management um, and I'm not saying doctors, you know, I feel for doctors because they're essentially just, they're, in, they're in it, they're in it. And <laughs> yeah. they're trying to shoulder this tsunami of people that are coming to them with problems and they're overwhelmed and the whole, you know, we just have to really take a, a big look and tying it back to mobility. I think mobility is a way where anyone can have, can, can be given a sense of empowerment that they can work on stuff, right? Like if you do 30 seconds of mobility work every day, if you do cars every morning for literally 60 seconds mm. you are taking steps towards addressing your restrictions mm -hmm. right you are having you are expressing a sense of control that you have control over what happens to your body and of your long-term movement health and i think that just opens the door to being like okay what else can i learn about what else can i do to essentially have an effect over my body instead of just being this passive person going along on the car of break down every decade totally it's it's empowering to the individual it, mm. it builds these you know this this feeling of confidence and the ability of like okay like this isn't as big of a hurdle a mountain as i can be if you make these stepping stone goals as you you know start to set up these things that are like achievable you know and realistic mm. and you know that you have to give yourself some wins you have to give yourself the ability to be successful if you're always like making these goals that are so like overreaching you know what i mean yeah. like in the context of like, you know, the, uh, the, someone who's trying to work on a handstand, right? Like let's shift gears. Like someone who's trying to work on a handstand, they can't even do a push up without wrist pain. Like, you know, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. let's walk yeah. first. I've been like working on hand. I've been trying to kick up into a handstand. I'm like, for how long? Like, Oh, like two months or something. I'm like, all right, like, you know, let's see what your wrist can do. And their, their, their wrists are just like, <laughs> you, yeah. you know like they, they don't they can't get anywhere near an active range of motion of 90 degrees. And like then you're trying, you're trying to, yeah, you're trying to load it with your body weight. Like, let's rewind a little bit so yeah. yeah i mean it's it's information like this type of training will give you information and it's empowering yeah i agree and everyone can have a sense of control and it, like people always ask well what's the best mobilization for the ankle and what i tell them is like the one that you're going to actually do sustain every day right right and right. like small steps and people think that small steps mean small changes but when you compound small steps with a bit of consistency and kind of an, an understanding of how to progressively increase what you're doing massive changes happen it's so crazy it's compounding it's yeah. it's huge and i think that's part of why people just try and take these massive steps which are really very intimidating and bring about this kind of mindset of fear if you're going to try and make a massive life change 
whether you admit it or not, it's going to be scary. Mm -hmm. And the more scary it is, the less creativity you're able to use, the less likely we are to actually do it, right? The more likely we are to find excuses. But if it's something tiny, like one minute a day, 30 seconds a day, and you do that, well, going from a minute to two minutes is not that hard. Going from two to five is not that hard. Going from five to 10 all the way up. Before you know it, you're at 30 minutes a day working on your body because you, you understand it and you feel the difference and you look forward to it and you look forward to it because you know that it's having a positive effect and you can see the effects but if you went from zero time spent on your body to 30 minutes a day you're probably not going to continue it for very long because it's just too big of a jump small steps totally and and that's the thing too like we talked about flow state a couple times this weekend and you know it's something that things have to be challenging enough but not so challenging where you're just like, whoa, I can't even do this. I can't even think of doing this. Yep. You know, like if, if you're, the discrepancy is that far, then yeah, you're not even going to do it. But if it's, hey, I feel a little uncomfortable. I feel like a little uneasy, like, oh, I might hurt myself or like, oh, I might, I might mess up. I might fail. Mm -hmm. um, but it's not so far off. Like you're like, I think I can do this. Yeah. Then that's a sweet spot. And, and the more you can kind of expose yourself to situations like that, um, you know, problems like that, uh, goals like that. And, and then you start to come out on the other end with a win on mm -hmm. that, you know, you know, you, you start to realize that like, wow, I have the ability to change and adapt and learn and grow. And that could be with anything that could be with someone like dealing with social anxiety, or mm -hmm. that could be someone trying to start a business or a side hustle or, you know, like anything. And if you start to set up these abilities to, you know, have the domino effect of having these small wins, they knock into other dominoes and then you start to see the cascade and then, yep then you're then you're in it and um you know with talking about flow say one more thing is like you know if you can find activities that you can be lasered in on like the task at hand like you're not looking at your phone you're not you know expecting an email you're like you're not you, you know distracted in any way you're totally in that experience in that moment you know that's that's where magic happens that's where your brain can just kind of go on autopilot yep. and you know cool things can come out of that you know like you 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 and uh, mike do walking meetings all the time and you know, it's just the opportunity for you to connect on, you know, a human level one-to-one -one, and also just take in what's around you mm -hmm. and you can think a lot easier. Yeah. And uh, yeah. Oh God. You said so many things that I don't want to talk about, but that whole thing of finding that sweet spot where it's achievable, but not too intimidating, but not too easy and boring. What, you know, that's dynamic. It changed every time that you're in there and you experience something and you improve your skills, that sweet spot changes its position along the continuum. And I think one thing people need to do is instead of depending on other people to tell them what the next step is, is to do some trial and error and tinkering and see, well, I wonder if this is a bit harder. Like they have to feel comfortable knowing what the next step is. Cause guess what? If every day you're taking a slightly, slightly small, like a small step forward, if every time you got to ask someone what the next step is, you're going to either spend a lot of money or you're going to, or you're going to just have barriers, right? If you can't talk to that person, well, then you can't take a step forward. So I think people just have to take a bit of, you know, responsibility to be like, I'm just going to creatively think of what is the next thing I could do to challenge myself and just try it. Mm -hmm. Like, what do you have to lose? So I think that brings us, you know, this whole, the topic of flow state brings us into something that I know you're very, um, passionate rock about climbing. Rock, climbing. <laughs> rock climbing. And it was Clayton is obsessed with climbing and he's actually a, he's an insane climber. We went to ascend Pittsburgh, which if you're in Pittsburgh and you like, or don't, or don't know what climbing is, Go there, check it out. It's a badass gym. Um, Friendliest people you'll ever meet. Super friendly. Everyone. It was just like a, a giant family and, and you feel so comfortable. You're not intimidated. Mm -hmm. I've been to climbing gyms before and actually there's not very many climbing gyms where, where you're kind of 
it's very quiet and everyone's just focused in in the zone um but this one was just like everyone was talking everyone was chilling on the mats or in the middle and um yeah climbing is one of those things that i think is a super cool activity because for several reasons number one it's People can try it of any level. It doesn't matter what level you're at, mm -hmm. right? It's approachable. If you're 10 years old, you can go to a bouldering gym. If you're 50 years old, FYI, you can go to a bouldering gym. You're not going to do the hardest walls, but you can do some stuff, right? And I think um, it's a very powerful one because you can't think of anything else when you're trying to solve a problem. When you're trying to climb a wall, good luck doing it on your phone, <laughs> right? And you have, you have to be very in the moment and present. You have to... It's physical problem solving, right? Mm -hmm. It's like you're solving a math problem, but you're doing it with your body and with your muscles to see what's the most efficient way. The problem is how to get from the bottom to the top of this wall. And the solution comes from trial and error, trying a bunch of different paths, seeing what works, seeing where your body's weak, where your body's strong. Um, what got, how long have you been climbing for? And what was the, if you remember, what got you into climbing when you first started? Yeah. So, um, when I, it was about three and a half years ago, um, ish um but so that's not I, even that long the grand scheme of things yeah yeah grand scheme of things and so i climbing was always something that i kind of figured i'd like you know mm -hmm. i it, it looked cool you know and i was okay. like oh man that looks like fun you yeah. know like it, it just looks fun you see a video of it on instagram and you're like wow that, that's yeah. looks fun right and it's primal too we're supposed to climb super primal we climbed yeah. before <laughs> yeah and so then i but again like rewind i was still kind of actively dealing with acute back pain and so i was just on the cusp of like starting to figure my shit out and mm -hmm. starting to figure out like where I needed to improve. And you know, the bulk of people that I actually work with is hips, right? Like, so mm -hmm. hips is, you know, your center of gravity. It's like the center of you essentially next to your spine. And, uh, if your hips aren't working, I mean, that impacts stuff up the chain, down the chain, you know? So I found the biggest ROI on working on my hips and then my back wasn't taking all the brunt of the work and, you know, started to move better. And then I've actually focused on my spine mobility and realized like my lumbar spine couldn't articulate. Okay. Yeah. Work on that. And then after a while I started feeling pretty good and I started feeling more confident and, you know, would go on hikes and this and that. And I was like, you know what? Like, let me, let me try this climbing thing. Right. And there was a, there was another climbing gym close to my house. And I was like, all right, I'm going to try it out. Right. So I went with my roommate, um, at the time and, uh, he was like in the Spartan races and stuff like that. I had never done that because, you know, broken back and everything. Not yeah. literally broken, <laughs> yeah. but like, you know, I felt broken. <laughs> felt broken. And uh, so I was like, let's try rock climbing. So I went, we were there for like, I don't even know how long, like I lost track of time. It was like three and a half hours. I was like, shit, we got to go home. Like, you know, like, <laughs> and I struggled super hard to, to drive back. Like my forearms were just like toast, <laughs> you know, just toast. And I was like driving stick shift and I was like, oh man, like I might not make it home, <laughs> you know, nice. like, but, um, it, and then the next day, like after work, I went to REI, bought a pair of shoes, bought a bag of chalk and bought some chalk. And like, that was it. Like since then, like three and a half years ago, I've been climbing three to four days a week non-stop like Amazing. yeah and i just i look forward to it so much and it just brings me so much joy and it's a form of community you know like i made the best friends i've ever made through climbing um you know and also just like having a built-in mindfulness practice that is stacked with physical activity that is stacked with managing my stress like yeah you know katie bowman talks about stacking your life and like boom i check off so many boxes when i rock climb like mm. i am 
being fulfilled, I'm managing stress, I'm challenging myself, I'm exposing myself to challenge on a regular basis. I'm failing on a regular basis, yeah. multiple times a, you know, yeah. a week. Um, and yeah, it makes you resilient. So like, resilient. I fail every day. So failure is not really, it's an excuse to try and learn better ways of doing things and not just something you get discouraged about. Totally. If you get discouraged every time you fail rock climbing, well, you're not going to have luck. much. Yeah, you're not going to be doing much. Right. And um, like, and it's, you only truly fail if you stop. Yeah, exactly. Like I work on some problems, like if I, you know, they call like uh, a route, a problem, especially if you're working on it for like, you could be working on a problem for 20 minutes, an hour, uh, a week, a month, you could be working on an outdoor problem for a year. And, um, and that's the thing. It's a, it's a problem. And you just, it's crazy. Like you can throw yourself at a problem and you know, you get one move further. Right. And you yeah. unlock that and you're like, Oh shit. Like that's yeah. how you do that. Like, closer. Oh man, I just like partially internally rotated my hip, which changed my center of gravity, which changed this line of vector of pull. And then I was like, Oh wow. Like it was so freaking hard. Like I couldn't even start that problem. And now I'm two moves in. Woo. Right. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah, super huge victory. And, and that's the thing too. It's like the interesting thing is once you unlock that move, that move that was so hard, that, that move that you struggled, you're shaking like a leaf on a tree, you're sweating, you're swearing under your breath. Once you do that, it's amazing how easily you can string together those sequence of moves. It doesn't matter how tired you are. You could wow. be climbing three hours and you are pumped. Like your forearms are toast. They're like the size of like Led Zeppelin blimps, right? <laughs> and <laughs> it doesn't matter. Analogy. Like if you have strung that sequence together, if your brain has figured it out, your brain is so confident that you would just always be able to string together that sequence until you get to the next crux, until you That's get so to the cool. next hard part. So like, how cool is that? Like, you know, you just have to prove to yourself that you can do something. Once you do it, you're like, all right, let's go. And you, you just work on that sequence. So it's like, there's so much psychology and like analytics to climbing and just like the sheer amount of movement variety you get in climbing is phenomenal. Like you don't get that in so many different aspects. Like, you know, Oh yeah, I go to the gym, bro. Okay, what do you do? Like deadlift, bench, you know, squats, you know, RDLs. Yeah, I do uh, clean jerks. Like, okay, great. Like you are working in these very specific sequenced movements that you repeat hundreds of times. Mm -hmm. um, you know, there's very little variability unless you like, you know, buckle under load and then you have to deal with that, but that's a whole other conversation. Um, and so climbing has this really beautiful, you know, a thing where it's like you're going to challenge yourselves in different ways and get different you know fascial slings like engaged in different ways at different times and in varying intensities all the time like, and you're not <laughs> even purposely trying to do it that's the beautiful part right because <laughs> right. there's nothing wrong with doing squats deadlifts and bench but if that's totally. all you do you're missing out on this massive spectrum of movement um and if you never explore that well when you encounter that in real life it might be a problem you might be able to squat 700 pounds but if you can't even run if you can't run that's because i see that all the time you Controlled see people falling. that are insanely strong <laughs> and have zero ability to do something as basic and fundamental to human capacity as running totally. right and i'm talking i'm not talking about running 20k i'm talking about like if you had to run for the bus could you run without blasting your body right, right and i think with climbing you're i think a big part of that is you're unintentionally using different systems of the body or getting into different positions because you're not going to get into that same level of variety of positions by just trying to do it yourself right, right? The, there's no workout or zumba class that can get you into those positions with those loading patterns by putting weight through your shoulders and having to connect your finger to your opposite toe you're not going to get that totally. but when you do it climbing you're doing it to try and solve a problem the external cue for your body to adopt that pattern is not something you're even mentally aware of you're just like i want to try and climb this wall and i'm going to try it a hundred different ways until i find the way that works best for me 
right now. Mm -hmm. And I think with mobility, you know, we talk about an important part of the mobility is having a why. Like why, what is my purpose for doing mobility, right? What is the thing that keeps me motivated? And for some people it's pain, right? If you're in pain and working on your joint mobility to improve your capacity reduces your pain, that's huge. Mm -hmm. But when you're beyond pain, it's important to still find your why, right? Like do you, you know, why do you do, I feel like a lot of the mobility stuff you do is to make you well-versed at climbing to give you more options to be able to use totally and i, I think that's powerful yeah like i i, I want to make myself as resilient as possible and i want to put one more like kind of footnote is that yeah i'm not shitting on you know squats or deadlifts or bench press you know like yeah. i i keep doing that like yep. if you run ultras keep doing that but like change up the stimulus like change up the variety it's the same thing like you know with parents living vicariously through their kids and getting them you know on skates at three years old and be like he's gonna be Wayne Gretzky yeah you know like (laughs) I know you talk about that a lot um but like you know it's the same thing and that's why I think there's such a yoking between climbing and uh mobility training is because the whole goal of mobility training is to take each one of your joints through its full range of motion like communicating with every little surface area of that joint capsule and making sure that you're having a relationship with that space, having a line of communication with that space. And so you've been there before, right? Like if you never internally rotate your hip ever, like that part of your joint gets a little bit, you know, not so happy. It gets a little bit crunchy. It gets a little bit sticky. It gets a little bit like caught up on stuff, like fill in whatever kind of adjective you want, but it doesn't work as well. Um, So it's just, you know, how often do you go into that space and you, you know, put a level of force, you know, like a directional force into that space. So you can kind of tell that tissue, like, what to do and what it should be capable of doing yeah um and and that's what climbing is is you know it's just like peanut butter and jelly right like you put yourself in all these weird positions you go there on a regular basis and mobility training make sure that you do that in a very systematic way and expose yourself to different forces and loads and vectors and then you've been there so then when you go to climb and you get in that super awkward position that you're just like you like yeah. rotating you're up in a high step yeah and then you have to like breathe not fart think move <laughs> like you know there's all these things that you have to do and like it like if you that's the last moment where whoop should have done shoulder mobility like you yeah, know like the, it's exactly. too late like you're, you're already in a position so um that's why i really like that and another one is like if you do brazilian jiu-jitsu you have to do mobility training like yeah, i mean whether you realize it or not someone's actively trying to rip your ankle off your leg like <laughs> please build up resilient capacity and there's so many amazing instructors within the mobility realm um within frc within kin stretch that do jujitsu and train people with mobility so like if it's not me like seek out someone who like does you know the craft that you do and also trains mobility and then that's that person's gonna be your go-to so like for sure if you do ultimate frisbee and you know you want to improve your mobility there are tons of you know people that do that like uh my friend brian evanson you know he's he's a beast um and he's he does ultimate he's done ultimate his whole life and he's a fantastic mobility instructor so it's like yeah like if you do frisbee go to him if you do jujitsu go to you know practitioners who do jujitsu right (laughs) like sure they can be more targeted in what they're giving you and they've probably gone through the same stuff you're going through context is king they're going to know it way better than other people so so climbing is approachable it's and like here's the thing there's this thing where we need to take more time away from our phones and plan shit with other people right plan something with your friends where you're saying this sunday let's do this let's all leave our phones in our bags let's do something where we can all do it together where we're all novices right we're all Mm -hmm. taking the beginner mindset and i just think you know in ottawa there's more and more climbing places popping up 
uh, when we were in Colorado, there was climbing places galore. And I think it's becoming now that it's becoming bigger in terms of awareness of what climbing is and and how it doesn't really play favor. You don't have to be a uh, a hippie or someone that's really really fit to climb right. um and it's just a really humbling really fun and actually i would say addictive activity that i think anyone has access to and anyone can do so find a local climbing gym and just go and try it like you have nothing to lose totally um, and and uh you know if i can just like gush on climbing a little bit more um of course so <laughs> <laughs> um like the, the another thing that is so great about it is you know it has reconnected me to nature, right? So like I live in Pittsburgh, I live in the city, um, but you know, w once I was in school and then out of grad school, like I still live in the city. And so like, you know, it's just like, oh, you think about bars, you think about restaurants, you think about like city stuff, right? But then you are now into rock climbing and everyone starts in the gym. It's just a no brainer. You start yep. in the gym and, and the gym is hopefully, you know, a launching point for you to climb outside. Um, I feel like the gym doing stupid shit in the gym is a rite of passage. So totally. it's like if you've done it, you're not alone. I did it. You did it. Um, it's just a face. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and, 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 you know, like if you do get into outdoor rock climbing, it's not like you never go back to the gym. Like yeah. that, that's what, you know, winter's for. And that's what, you know, the dead of summer is when like you're sweating your skin off. Like, you know, like <laughs> you, you just like climb indoors. Right. And you can build up capacity and resiliency and like get some really good training stimulus, you know, in the gym. And then, I mean, ultimately preparing yourself for outdoor. Cause like what I love about climbing is that it reconnected me with nature. Like hmm. I didn't realize how disconnected from nature I was until I got into rock climbing and they were like, Hey guys, you want to plan like a, a rock climbing trip to West Virginia, like new river gorge, Cooper's rocks, like these really cool places. Like I'm climbing in Kentucky and you know, I've never been to Kentucky before. And, and then I was like, Oh, I'm climbing in like the belly of Kentucky and like red river gorge. And it's That's just awesome. like, it's crazy. And so there's no service you know, you're just like immersed in nature, you get a million bug bites. Um, but like you, you see things that you just don't normally see, like these little chipmunks and like squirrels that jump like all over the place and you know, deer and hopefully not bear, you know, <laughs> but like, it, you just, you're in nature, you're with really nice people, cool people that become like your best friends for life, you're camping around a fire, you're eating s'mores, you know, you're, you're swapping stories, you're, you're talking about things that you don't get the opportunity to talk about in depth in your normal day-to-day -day life. You know, we have so yeah. many just like these, like these passing moments with people and you just talk about superficial shit. Like you yeah. just talk about like, Oh, like, what are you into? Like, Oh, how's this going? Like if you're lucky, you talk to them for 20 minutes, but it's still superficial, superficial stuff. Yeah. Like it isn't until you are hiking for 30 minutes to try and find this rock that you're planning <laughs> on climbing. And you're like, where the fuck is this? Like, <laughs> like you, you have to use a map. Like you have to use like, it's just, you know, and, and all those like moments where like people are too tired to talk because you're hiking up a hill and I've got zero cardiovascular fitness at this point, um, <laughs> which I'm working on on fitness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, it, you, you have these moments where you're, you're struggling with people together, trying to track a, a hiking path to, to this rock and then figure out if it's climbable and all these moments, all these breaths, all these like opportunities that you're sharing together, like outside, not distracted, connected. And then all of a sudden, like you are given the opportunity, the platform to have these in-depth conversations. And yep. it's really, really cool. So and climbing is what brings you out there. But really what you get out of that trip is so much more than cl climbing is almost like lower on the ladder of what you truly get out of that trip. But but it's what opens the door. And it is cool that it's a sport that you can start in a controlled environment where it's not crazy intimidating build because your you, confidence. you can literally find the easiest wall to climb. And like you said, build up your confidence, feel confident that you're actually, you have a body that's capable of doing that. 
And then you can, it, it's funny how many things you look at as being climbable once you start climbing. Dude, <laughs> every building I want to climb. Like, and, and I have a couple, but like, you know, sorry, mom. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. And I think on the topic of that, like the whole philosophy of the climbing community too. And I think we both got this from Yvonne Chouinard, um, the, the creator of Patagonia and Black Diamond is like less is more. And the more, you know, the less you need. And I think it carries into, you know, our ongoing mission at TFC is going to be to, to create more products. Right. And, and as we, you know, eventually with footwear, but eventually into other things, like we both use backpacks and fanny packs. Why don't we just make I was going to talk to you about you a know? fanny pack, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I would wear, like, I already do wear a Patagonia fanny pack like every day, but like, I mean, if I had a TFC one, like there you go. And over. I, but I really think it's one of those things where a lot of companies make stuff. But they don't really, they just focus on making stuff and making it available. They don't actually focus on taking the time to design and source materials that are like made to last, right? And this whole thing of when you're a climber, you can't bring a bunch of stuff. You have to bring just what you need and what you need, those products can sometimes require like a level of quality based on survival, mm -hmm. right? If like, if you bring a crappy carabiner with you, that thing could give out and it could be disastrous. So I think this mindset of buying less, but buying better and you know, as a company that makes stuff, taking on the responsibility of accepting a better standard where we have to make sure that this thing's built really well so it doesn't fall apart. We have to make sure, and it's going to be more expensive by virtue of that, but if it's twice as expensive but 10 times as durable, you're winning, mm -hmm. right? And I think people are starting to appreciate now that it's more, it's cheaper long-term to buy better quality things that you can repair, that last, and that are made with an understanding that we need to make stuff without destroying our habitat. Totally. And I think that that mindset is going to permeate through everything we do, which means it's going to be harder to do stuff. But I don't think if you can't do it optimally, you should you shouldn't be doing it. Right. Totally. So yeah. I'm excited with that. Yeah, man. And like, you know, yeah, Yvonne Schoenart, Like So like once I got into rock climbing, I literally watched every rock climbing video on you know Netflix, like you know, nice. just to learn about the climbing history. And like, I, I recommend you do that, too, because it's just fascinating learning about like, you know, the origin and the history and how it evolved and developed. But like. Yeah. And then like, that's how I kind of like went into like, you know, learning about w what Patagonia actually was and, mm -hmm. you know, and there's a local Patagonia Pittsburgh and I'm just like the coolest place ever. We'll, we'll go this weekend. Cool. Um, and, uh, it's, uh, I mean, they just share the history and I didn't realize like how much of the history I didn't know. And then, so yeah. I, I listened to let my people go surfing. Yeah. Amazing book. Yeah. And like, like strong plug, like listen to that book. Like, even if you don't surf, even if you don't climb, even if you don't own a business, like yeah. just learn about like, the book is nothing about what I thought it would be about. Like I, mean, I, I thought I it was, I thought it was going to be about like, this is how you run a business and this is how like the employee structure and like this and that. And they do get into that, but it is so much more like these gems of like, just like how he looks at life and how he lives his life and what he values and, you know, just the quality of their product. And he field tests everything. Like, you know, like it, it's just, it's just so cool. And it actually, like if you ask Carrie, like my wife, like, you know, I was never into fashion. Like I'd, you know, I'd always like come out like wearing like monochromatic. I'm like, shit, like I'm, I got a same color shirt. And I got that all I'm time. doing that right now. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, but like, you know, I, I never really, you know, gave a damn about, you know, fashion or clothes because I'm just like, ah, I don't really care about that. But then like listening to that, listening to like where clothes are sourced from, like the types of dyes that go into it, like, you know, the whole ethos of like what they have, it just like made me really think about like, among other things, but just like quality, like you're paying for quality. And I was thinking like, you know, I bought this Patagonia jacket. I've worn it. I wear the same clothes all the time. Like I, you don't really see much variety to me. And so, so then, I. yeah, <laughs> you're Got basically trying to, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, you know, I've worn this, like, you know, 
uh, kind of like aqua teal green. That's like my favorite color. Patagonia Jack for like five years, like straight, you know, yeah. and I've worn it and it just now has a hole in it. And like, I just find so much like joy out of seeing a little bit of that puffy stuffing coming out of that hole that I'm like, man, like this it's like a part of me. It's like a part of my family, you know yep. what I mean? And it's like, yeah, and it, just seeing that, like if I buy a slightly more expensive pair of pants from Patagonia. Like I know I'm supporting such a strong company, such yeah. a, a company that cares about their employees. That cares You're voting about, for how they do things right? way more so than just buying a garment of clothing. That's just how you express your vote. And yeah. I think that that has to be, I mean, not enough companies have a story behind their products to even warrant telling something, mm -hmm. right? It's like, what's your story? They, they oh, try and hide it. In China. Right? Yeah. As cheap as possible. Yeah. But it's, I really think that the future of people becoming more aware and more conscious, because it is happening. It's just very slow. It's slower than it needs to be based on where we've gotten ourselves into. But it is happening. And, you know, we see it all the time where people will sometimes buy things from TFC because of the stuff, you know, the education that we give or the stuff behind the scenes that we give that they don't have to pay for, but they'll sometimes pay more for a pair of footwear to buy from TFC than to buy directly from the manufacturer. And sometimes we'll say like, Hey, it's where, based on where you are, it's probably cheaper to buy from Vivo barefoot. And they're like, well, we want to support you because we, we resonate with what you're doing and what you're about. Mm -hmm. And I think that, that, you know, you have to be transparent, you have to be honest and you have to have just a higher standard for quality. And I think, um, I just think that the, you know, climbing, I bought, let my people go surfing from the perspective of like, okay, we're going to start making products and Patagonia is a really cool company and I don't know enough about it. And it was actually more of a curiosity read than it was like a research read, mm -hmm. but it turned into something that at the end of it, I left with principles for my entire life yeah. that apply to business that apply to how to make things, but also just apply to how to live in a way that gives you a better relationship with the world, with other humans. And it's just a... Yeah, very powerful book and very powerful uh, message that that guy, you know, put out to the world. And, uh, you know, shout out to Yvonne Chouinard for writing that book and, and sharing it because he literally gave away a blueprint for how to be a successful company, mm -hmm. right? You have, the people that run the most successful companies don't typically spend time and energy to tell other people how to do it. <laughs> um, and I think it's just, yeah, very, very cool uh, ethos and uh, something that we're going to try and mirror in everything we do. And that we expect people to hold us accountable to if we're not doing that. Totally, so, totally. And on the subject of climbing, so uh, six months ago you started up TFC Climb. So mm -hmm. Clayton is the lead, um, the lead human when it comes to the TFC Climb project, which is TFC Climb on Instagram. And really, what that was about, you know, like I remember, I still kind of remember when this first came up. You, I don't know if you messaged me or called me. You're like, you dude, <laughs> climbing shoes suck, and I think we can do better. I was like, yes, this is cool. Okay, tell me about it, dude. I was fired. So like. Uh, you know, our primary line of communication is like WhatsApp, texting, yep. calling or video chat. And, uh, you know, we've been talking like for two years straight now, like once a week. And, you know, I felt that's why I, I kind of felt like I already knew you before I met you. And so it was weird to me for the first time. I'm like, I don't feel like I was like, we totally met. Like, we totally met. <laughs> I was expecting more facial hair. But <laughs> right. apart from that, I was like, yeah. I already know this guy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, it, I, I sent you a video because like I just got back from climbing and um, my my feet were hurting you know and i was like you know i how much i climb you know two hours you know four days a week and you know in climbing shoes which are basically like feet coffins you know yeah. never worn climbing shoes they're dreadful they're awful yeah, they're i've crazy. never never worn ballet slippers but i imagine they're comparable um to that. i think climbing shoes are probably worse because yeah. these ballet slippers can move right these <laughs> things are like rock solid boxes that come into a point yeah it's it's, yeah. it's pretty fascinating so then like i you know, and then I was having some like lateral ankle pain as well. And, you know, it's just like my pinky toe, like, you know, I take my foot out of my climbing shoes and my pinky toe is just 
like, like slammed <laughs> slammed like into like you know my fourth toe so and then like you know the big toe as well and, and so if you're bouldering you know your your bouldering problems last anywhere from like 45 seconds to a minute so it's very quick you know it's mm-hmm. very you know fast twitch you know anaerobic in a lot of ways but you know you should work on your aerobic capacity for it but i digress um but you know so i'm i'm in these climbing shoes and i, I realized that like you know, I'm taking them off in between every burn. So like every time I would like, you know, work on a project, I come back and, you know, just at least on Velcro and slide my heel out. And I'm just like, oh man, like a little bit of relief. And, you know, I'm someone who like, I, I try and practice what I preach, you know, like I'm wearing my toe spreaders every single day. You know, I do my foot mobility, do like toe lifts, active toe spreads. I play around with them. You know, I, I take care of every joint in my body. Right. And I'm still having pain you know with my feet with my ankle and it and the pain was worse like on a climbing day and Mm -hmm. i and it just like i think i didn't want to realize it because like you can't take climbing away from me like i yeah i love climbing (laughs) you know what i mean like like fuck you like i love climbing you know so like you know and and i i think i was just trying to like repress that like you know i knew i knew climbing shoes were an issue but i'm just like you know i do enough to offset it yeah do i i do enough right and then I came to that realization, like, I'm not doing enough. Like, this is, you know, I'm exposing my body to this extreme environment and on a regular basis and asking performance out of that area, mm-hmm. you know? So it's just like, man, like, you know, it was, it was a very hard truth. But then I, and then I just got fired up and I was like, you know, let me talk to Nick. And, you know, I sent you, I, I think I recorded like a four, six minute video and I, you know, like, I was swearing a lot and I was excited. And, you know, was, I loved it. I love yeah, powerful rants. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rant on. And uh, I was like, dude, like, I think we could definitely make like a climbing shoe if they do it like this and like this. And like, we we would sacrifice on the performance or this or that. And and you were like, dude, just like, yeah, roll with it. Let's do it. Yeah. Because one thing I've realized is that if you have, the idea is actually, the idea is the most important part to get a project going. Mm -hmm. But having the idea is the easiest part. And refining that idea is a little bit harder, but then executing on that idea is the hardest part. And I think that, you know, the concept for a climbing shoe that sacrifices not very much performance, but just puts, you know, you come at it from a perspective of a a person who climbs, who loves climbing. So you have an understanding of the role of shoes and certainly performance footwear that maybe isn't friendly to your foot, but serves a purpose for that specific activity has a place. Then it just becomes a matter of, well, can we do it better? We're not going to do it. Like you're not going to wear flip flops to climb. You're not going to climb barefoot. You need certain elements of a climbing shoe. So it's like, okay, what, what parts do of a climbing shoe do you get benefit from? Do you get a performance enhancing edge from literally? And and yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like, yeah, literally. And when you break it down, it's like, okay, the point of the shoe plays a role because you got to be able to wedge that thing so that you can hold on. Like your big toe doesn't have the strength to hold onto a rock, but the point of a shoe can wedge in there. And the rigidity of the shoe can give you that support to let you do things you wouldn't be able to do otherwise. So then we kind of just talked about like, well, what if you just take the point and shift it so that it's at the big toe so you don't have to basically taper in your entire foot. You can still have that point. You can still have the rigidity, but why don't we just do it without compressing the foot as much? Mm-hmm. And yeah, the upper 1% of climbers are not going to be are not going to want to use it because maybe it might take something away, but there's 99% of people that can still use that shoe to enhance their performance when climbing without the consequences of destroying their feet 
and and that's the thing and that's really where i come at it like so i'm i'm 30 and like you know i want to be able to climb until i'm in my 70s you yep. know like that that is a goal that is like uh, i want longevity i want sustainability and you know i, I think to... everyone does they just don't think of it in that yeah respect. but like like the, the the amount of like things i see people expose themselves and just like thrash through things and like you know disregard pain and, and all that stuff like you know, it's it's kind of surprising to me how like often people do that but you know, my idea with like TFC climb, like developing a shoe is that it's going to take the average climber like into an environment that's just going to feel better. Like yeah. you're not going to want to like, you know, cut off your foot by the end of a climbing <laughs> session, you yeah. know, and it like my goal is to still have a climbable. Like, you know, I want to still be able to climb like challenging grades. Like, you know, I want people to be able to send, you know, V8s in this shoe, like, mm -hmm. you know, and like, you know, climb outside and like be like a, a pretty decent bouldering shoe for sure it's going to have some differences to it so like you know it's going to you're gonna to have to adjust your climbing you're actually gonna to have to become a better climber like you know you're gonna to have to you know just actually be better at climbing you know it's it's the comparison of you know someone who's like you know goes on a um a, you know, a bike ride with someone and they're like oh like i'm gonna buy a bike they buy a carbon fiber bike they buy carbon fiber forks like you know like all these spokes that are like you know have zero weight and they're like oh i'm gonna now i'm gonna get into biking wrong dude like so wrong you yeah. gotta like ride that shitty you know 20 pound steel frame bike and exactly. ride it uphill struggle build up your internal cardiovascular engine build up your strength build up your lactate threshold all these things and then get a lighter bike not the carbon fiber bike but yeah. just a little bit lighter incremental. yeah incremental you know so many people are just like i want to be better now i want the best now mm -hmm. let me throw money at this and they're missing the opportunity to like drastically improve you know mm -hmm. and you know, I, I said in climbing all the time, like, they cheap themselves out on part of the process. That's actually really beneficial. Totally. And, and, you know, I always like to say like, be good at the basics, like be brilliant at the basics with climbing. You know, and I think mm -hmm. I got that from Dewey Nielsen, uh, from, you know, FRC, but like with climbing, you know, I, I see so many people just trying to push the grades. Like, oh, I'm going to climb V5 now. Oh, I climb one V5. Let's try and climb V6. And it's like, dude, I've watched you climb a V2 so shittily, you know, like, <laughs> n like, no, like I'm not judging you, but like, it just looks like you're struggling and working really hard. Yeah. It's like you like I aim to do things like in a pain free way and then just like in a super controlled fashion. Like, you know, I think of it like sloth climbing, you know, like if you can climb it super controlled, super slow, you own every single movement. It's intentional. Like you you have ultimate control of what you're doing. And then you you kind of morph that sloth climbing with like a praying mantis and then that type of climbing has like a love child and like that's the type of climbing that you emulate you know on easier climbs like yeah you know, climb without your feet cutting climb without all these micro adjustments climb without like breathing heavy like can you do all that like can you nasal breathe while you climb and then do that really well and then push the grade you know like i'm not against like climbing stuff that's like really challenging because that's like stoicism in a nutshell but like you know get really good at the basics yeah and then like you know throw in a couple challenging ones there and struggle real hard and breathe heavy and flounder around but like if that's all you do if all you do is flounder and struggle and do all this stuff you're missing so much so yeah. much enjoyment out of the act of climbing so like that's the thing with like climbing shoes like yeah you, you you might like pop off a foothold because like it's a little bit bigger of a surface but you know it just forces you to be get more meticulous with your yeah. Your footwork and um, it's about finding a middle ground that doesn't sacrifice like if you sacrifice 10 percent in performance but you gain 
90 percent in and comfort, comfort <laughs> yeah. and like health long-term health of your feet that's a pretty damn good trade-off totally like i talked to um like uh, i have a couple of friends in the gym like in their 60s and like they're crushers and you know they've seen a lot of things and they've climbed some really cool places like all over the world and you know they they talk about like man i just wish i took better care like oh man my feet are killing me all this and that like so if i'm seeing so many people like my age younger older like you know experiencing this pain and like i'm experiencing this pain and i'm like taking care of every single part of my body every single day yeah i just started to imagine like what is the average person who just like slams their shoes on like wears like high-heeled like you know rigid shoes during the day you know throws on climbing shoes does zero warm-up and hops on a v5 project like what like that yeah. person's got to be in pain like yeah, you know what i mean 100%. like and so many people are like that so you know i just realized that if i can create a shoe that is you know even 20 percent better like in terms of comfort you know it's not going to be the most comfortable thing because you still need to climb in it but yeah. i mean it's, it's going to be the more shape of a, a yeah. foot you know a human foot and you're going to still be able to climb in it you know and it's going to be rigid on the bottom and just you know wider in the front forefoot and the point's going to come over to the big toe and there's gonna be space for the pinky toe to not you know be murdered <laughs> um it sounds so simple but it's so it's profound how much of a difference that can make in for so many people mm -hmm. and i think we you know the way that tfc started um selling product or making money was you know i just tried to see if i could get good at articulating foot health people on social media before i even ever even thought i thought it would just be perpetually like let's see if people want foot information i think it's kind of a cool way to force myself to learn how to get better at explaining it and essentially it created something where i tried to build a community of people that were interested in this before you even think about what's going to go on and what you're going to sell or making money at all and i think tfc climb you know we haven't even the focus has almost been on let's create a little hub for the climbing community to express what they want out of a shoe and whether or not it's something that they would benefit from. And I think the resounding um, feedback has been that people are stoked about it. They're like, when are you wait making it? When can I buy it? And I so many DMs, so many emails of just like, you know, like people wanting to help people like, you know, like, can I get on a prototype and like this yeah. like, and doing a lot of this stuff. And like, I've had engineers reach so out cool. to me, like, um, uh, Anna, one of the foot nerds. I mean, like I had a Skype call with her. I'm just like, yo, you have an engineering background. Like, can you please like nerd out with me on this and like talk about like, you know, the mechanics, like will too much space here create a moment where, you know, there's too much like play in the foot and then trying to problem solve that. You know, I reached out to Gary Aimward we had a Skype session, you know, and, you know, cool. and, uh, he climbs his kiddo climbs and, you know, and he's a, you know the foot guy he doesn't want to be known as a foot guy but yeah people know him as a foot what guy the foot? So, yeah, yeah great what book. the foot yeah shout out to gary yeah shout out to gary um and then you know i reached out to dr courtney conley and i was like you know you're in boulder you work on feet all day you work with climbers you work with cyclists you know who are in cycling shoes and it's like i i, I picked her brain like i took her her course you know her and joe fantastic people um and so you know I, I and then i went to the school of you know prosthetics and orthotics in pittsburgh you know and just like you know tried to pick their brain like i had a meeting with like two of the professors and you know the dean there and trying just trying to talk to as many people as i can about this project Amazing. and see if like i can piece together any more information that like i overlook because like that's the thing like i'm not an expert in this shit. like i love climbing and mm -hmm. i wear climbing shoes and like i know you know enough about feet to like help people improve the function of their foot but like i don't know all this other stuff like i need to talk to these people and yep. it's been amazing like the amount of people who have come together and it's just it, it, it kind of made me because sometimes it become overwhelming because i'm like oh man i feel like i'm the only guy on this and like i knew i wasn't like i always know that you're in my corner and you know yep. other people on the tfc team but sometimes when you're working on something so like you know it, it just seems like such a big thing yep. um 
it can feel like that sometimes, but then, you know, just the, the community coming together and like, you know, messaging me, but like I had this one dude, uh, DM me and he's like, Hey, have you looked into this company? Right. And that was actually the trajectory that got us onto like, you know, building the prototype. And I was like, wow, like, thank you, random dude in my DMs. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like, like, that's you know, the power of community. Right. Right. And like, and, and it's just like, it's just so crazy because, you know, people bitch and moan about social media and Instagram, but like, it is what you make of it. It yeah. is how you use it. hundred percent. It's a tool. Like if you misuse it. If you take a hammer and you smash your toe to bits, it's not the hammer company's fault. Okay. It's not Instagram's <laughs> fault. Yes. Instagram can do some things a, a bit differently, but overall it's, they created a tool, how you use it and whether it's beneficial or, or unhealthy for you to use is totally up to you. And before you use a complex tool, before you, like Instagram is a complex tool, is essentially a, a you know, a, a social platform that has things built in that we don't really know it has built in to try and, you know, to try and fulfill the business side of Instagram, which is it has to make money. Mm. Uh, it does that by attracting your eyeballs. But before you buy a Ferrari, you learn how to drive a Ferrari. You learn how to drive a manual car if it's manual. You 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 at least take a glance at the manual to make sure you're not using it terribly. You should understand a little bit about the ins and outs of social media so that you can use it to your benefit. Because if it wasn't for Instagram, TFC wouldn't exist. I wouldn't even know you. We wouldn't you. be hanging out right yeah. now. Yeah. So <laughs> there is there's always a f good and bad side, and it's totally up to you with how you use it. I totally. agree. And you know, plug to your um, other podcasts that I had listened to pretty recently about you know you and Mike talking about social media like definitely listen to that if you feel like you struggle with social media like yeah. if you feel like you compare yourself to other people and it, it actually brings you down more than brings you up listen to that um podcast it's going to be a really big help for you to just like start to cultivate awareness on your relationship with social media but mm -hmm. you know another tip i could kind of offer is change what you expose yourself to like if people like if you follow someone from high school and they're just like showing on this flashy travel and you know it brings you down unfollow that person like <laughs> exactly. unfollow that person like you if they really decide what you see right if that if you constantly find yourself bitching about this other person you follow like unfollow them like you yeah, know like exactly. and and it's just you you engineer your environment to like work for you like you know we don't have cable like i don't watch like major news like yeah, yeah. i get like a couple news sources online and and that's it and, and then i I hear enough, you know, from, you know, the, the fodder that people just like regurgitate towards me, you know, but, you know, it, it change what you look at on a regular basis. If it's not inspiring to you, if it's not motivating you, if it's not educating you, if it's not making you better in some capacity, throw it out, like yeah. throw it out. I only follow people on social media that like fit that criteria. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if I feel like I can learn something from them or they inspire me to challenge myself or get better or whatever or make connections. I mean, like it, it's Instagram's totally changed my life, like completely. And it was because I looked at it as an opportunity as opposed to a burden. And, yep. you know, I, I connected with people that like I believed in and that like, I liked the way that they were talking about things. And I, you know, I kind of got a, I feel like I have a good BS meter on people and I could mm -hmm. tell like if someone was like a good person or like what their intentions were. So like, I found those people and I was like, all right, we're cool. You know, yep. like, and the connections that like you can actually have those like incredible connections in person, you know, like those, those experiences. Cause like you said, you get way more interacting with someone, you know, face to face and you, the, the, the online social media, Instagram can be totally be a stepping stone for that. Yes. That's if, the best you, way to use it. Yeah. Because really, and like back to that thing that you said, you pick what you use it for. It's like, we have immense amounts of options in terms of information, in terms of inputs, right? The people around you are providing you inputs. The YouTube stuff you watch, the TV, the Instagram people you follow, those are all inputs. And 
you really should be trying to curate those inputs to align with the kind of person you are or want to be, right? If, if, if the inputs you're taking in don't align with the values of what you want to live like as a person, then there's going to be some form of discomfort. There's going to be like this, this kind of inner tension and dissonance. Yeah. And you just have to be aware that you're not going to be perfect right at the gate. And as long as you're like, I'm the kind of guy that sometimes I'll look through the feed of the people I follow for inspiration. And if I see a random video, that's like, I'm not learning anything from that. That person's like, you know, you could tell that that person's trying to do their, that post based on showing people flaunting something. It's just, I just don't follow them anymore. Mm -hmm. And by virtue of that, if you do that little changes each time, you're left with a beautiful array of people that you can learn from that inspire you that whatever you want. But if it's just seeing people that are just showing off what they have, when in reality, a lot of those people are really unhappy and they're mm -hmm. using that kind of, you know, facade to try and pump themselves up. But if you're, if all you're following is people like that, then you need to reevaluate why you're using social media. So totally. I think it's a good point. One of the, uh, um, the quotes that I, um, so like I mentor people with like social media and like, you know, how to like, if they want to do like an online business or, you know, anything like that. And so one of the quotes that I, you know, tell them to like write down is create more than you consume. And yep. it's just the word create greater than sign consume right and and write that on a post-it note write it on a note card you know like whatever write it somewhere where you see it all the time and if you're someone who's trying to you know if you're a yoga teacher if you're a trainer or if you're trying to create some type of online thing or if you're just trying to maybe like dip a toe in the water like on creating something anything you're an artist you're a musician like don't don't watch other musicians don't look at other artists don't look at other yoga teachers don't look at like i mean pick two or three people that you really emulate and figure out like what you like about that person. What is it that they do that you like, you know, how they explain things, how they display mm -hmm. things, what they're about, what they stand for and write those things down, like write it down, pick it apart and be like, this is why I like this person. Boom, 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 boom. These are the virtues. These are their approaches. This is what I like to do. And then make it your own, you yeah. know, don't, you know, steal it. Like, I mean, it's not stealing. You're just like, you're trying to give your own unique voice and, you know, cultivating exactly what you like and then trying to help other people. So, you know, do that. And then if you find that, you know, you're kind of going outside of those three people, like you're just like mindlessly scrolling and like getting bummed by like seeing all this other like flashy, crazy, cool shit, then you're consuming more than you're creating, right? Yeah. Like put on the blinders and you know what you know and just start to share that. And it, 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 I, I find that if I get in that, you know, cause I'm not perfect. Like I, I get distracted. I get like, you Everyone know, does. in that consuming mode. If you say mode, you don't, you're bullshitting. Yeah. I get in that consuming mood, like that mode. And I'm just like, oh shit, I'm consuming. I'm consuming way too much. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? And like, I'm bookmarking all these videos. Like, oh, I'm going to like, you know, try and like make a post like that. And I'm just like, no, like if I actually just like put on the blinders and like think like, what do I want to share? Like, what am I most passionate about? Like, what do I have to say? And it can be the same message. Like you can just like bang on that drum. Like I mean, like you post about feet all the time. You're I just know. banging on that it drum, me, right? Like Three thousand yeah. times. <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about feet. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so then it's like you know, it, it's amazing how many times you can share a message, and it's finally just now not falling on deaf ears, right? Yeah. Like it's like oh wow, like just that way that you explain that that one metaphor. Yeah. That one, you like, reach one extra person in a way that your all your other ones didn't right, connected with right. Them. Like th this simple picture, this diagram, this quote, like whatever. And like it's kind of like if you read a book and then you're like, oh, okay, that's good. And then you reread that book and it, it it has so much to offer for you because you've had a little bit more life experience, a little bit more change, a little bit more input. Creates more context to actually use that what you already read, but now it's like totally different material because you have a different outlook, a different box to put it into in your life. 
totally i've done that so much yeah and so like and that's the thing like you just like put on the blinders and and create 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 and then your world just like opens up man like it, it like i remember the first time not the exact time but like i remember like when you had reposted one of my posts on like just like feet and mm-hmm. you know i would like always always like funnel people to like you know the instagram page like the foot collector i'm like just go there like just like scroll a little bit you'll learn mm-hmm. so much right and there's so many pages that like uh for anyone that's a runner, I always put to at run RX. Yeah. Uh, she's just hilarious. Valerie. Valerie. Awesome. So funny. So smart. Yeah. Extra funny. Like super funny. Um, and and just like a wealth of knowledge. So it's like, you know, for people who know things more than me, like I will always refer out. So like I was always referring out to you, like on your page. And didn't even know it was like you, right? I was just yeah. like, it's a book collective. It's like this group of like 50 people. Like, you know? <laughs> like I had no idea, right? And then so you'd like uh, I think like giving me like a thumbs up and like a DM and you're like, Oh, you know, great. Like, and then like reposted my post and I was like, Oh shit. Like, you know, and then it was just, I don't know. It, it was just cool. Um, and then, but that's the thing. If I never created, if I never put stuff out there, like got a little bit uncomfortable, got a little bit more vulnerable, mm-hmm. posted something that I thought like, Oh man, maybe an expert, you know, might yeah. not think that this is legit. Yeah. Right. Like all those voices. We're wired to do that though. We're wired to like <laughs> doubt what we're doing. And especially when you're putting something out on a massive platform, but when you accept that being wrong is part of learning, it's like every post you put out, instead of being doubtful, being like, oh God, I hope this isn't wrong. It's like, I hope this is wrong. Because when someone tells me it's wrong, I'll learn better. And when you take that mindset, like you're bulletproof. You're just like, yeah, everything is put out there because it's, I'm on a learning journey. I want to share this journey with everyone that might be interested in hearing it. If you don't want to hear it, just don't follow um, or don't consume what I'm putting out. Um, but if you take that mindset where you're like, I'm perpetually learning, I do not have all the answers. This is the best I know right now. I hope I have conversations with smart people that disagree with me so we can find out who has the better perspective and I can adopt theirs if it's a more, if it carries more logic or more truth to it. And then it's like, you just keep going along the journey. And if you take that mindset, I I really don't think anyone can kind of pull you down because you're going at it with honest intentions. You're not pretending to be an expert on something. You're not saying you're a guru on something. You're just like, this is the best I know. I I'm, I want I'm keep learn I'm gonna keep learning, mm-hmm. and as I learn, I'm just gonna let people know what I'm learning. Totally, and you know, and I think that just that fact alone should help to motivate people to like not feel like crippled by fear, and you know, not creating something if you mm-hmm. if you truly feel like you have something to create, you mm-hmm. know, and and so I, I hope that that can that little tidbit can actually like help people to actually move forward and stop overthinking shit. Definitely. So tfc.climb is the uh, footwear project and it's just kind of harboring a more of a community of climbers to contribute input as to how we should make this shoe. And, you know, the prototype is, uh, Clayton's at the point where the prototype is done. So yeah, I'm holding it right now. It looks awesome. It doesn't, to the... To the unknowing eye, it doesn't look like much, but knowing what goes into making something like this, this is so much, and this is so much progress. Um, you were like just geeking out, like when dude, I showed I'm, it to you, you're like, uh, "What?" Like, I'm what? super stoked. <laughs> this makes me so excited because I know how much work it is to get to this very basic thing I'm holding in my hand, but this means so much, and this is so much work, and is getting us so much closer to actually putting out a product. So I'm super stoked to see you know where you take it, and obviously I'm here to provide anything that I can, any input I can to get that going. But I think when the time comes, probably the best approach will be to crowdfund it, to put out, you know, this is what we've worked to create. Um, and, you know, just be really transparent. Be like, this is how much they're going to cost. This is how much we're going to sell them for. 
part of the money that we make from the shoes goes into making the shoe better. And that whole transparency mindset, I think is very helpful to take down barriers and for people to feel like they're not buying a product, they're becoming part of something that means more than just a product. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, stay tuned for updates on that on the TFC climb page. And, uh, and Clayton actually has, so talk a little bit about rock your body. Cause I know you have, um, rock your body, which is like, I thought it was more mobility for rock climbing, but it's way more than that because it talks about a lot of different things, right? Mm-hmm. Like for, so who is the target audience for rock your body and what can people get from it if they, if they check it out? Yeah. So, um, it's an online climbing program and, you know, as a disclaimer, like I'm not a climbing coach, you know, yep. so if you're looking for a climbing coach to get better at climbing competitions and you're like, that's your jam, find a climbing coach. You know? Yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, it's like, I, I never try and claim to be what I'm not, you know? Yep. So, um, but rock your body will take you from, never stepping foot into a climbing gym to feeling confident on the wall. So it's for someone who's never been in a climbing gym, but it's also for people who are like, Hey, I've been kind of stagnant and I don't know how to improve and push my grades, you know? And the, the whole ethos of rock your body is to get really good at the basics, um, and, and do them really well. Um, so we talk a lot about like how, you know, the difference between, um, static and active climbing, um, and dynamic climbing, um, talking about technique lines of pulling tension. So it's all through the scope of like mobility training. Um, so it's like giving you the prerequisites to be able to climb effectively and efficiently, but also like with, through the lens of, you know, sustainability and longevity. Right. So like, I don't want you to just be like thrashing yourself on the wall and doing things in a way that like, isn't going to be sustainable. And you're going to have like bicep tendonitis, shoulder tendonitis, you know, elbow pain, like meteor lateral epicondyle pain, like, you know, like that's not fun. Like, I don't want you to pop a pulley, you know, like I want you to systematically get better at climbing so that it's fun. Right. Cause Mm -hmm. like being injured all the time is not fun. Right. Being hurt all the time is not fun, but like, so many people like you and people see- obviously don't want to be injured all the time right. it's just i don't think they have the awareness to know how to not that it's possible to not get injured they just think oh it's like running oh i get injured because i'm a runner it's like well you don't have to right um do you did you know that and most people are like well i thought it was just part of being a runner yeah and well what you said what sorry to interrupt one thing that you said when we went climbing was that you know i was the dude i was as soon as we got in there, I tried to like push it. I'm like, Oh, I'm going to try these crazy ones. And like, even if you succeed, you get destroyed and you're like, Oh my God, but I have rigor mortis in my forearm now. <laughs> Dead. So, and you're like, well, you can make a really easy line more difficult by just mastering it. Like yeah. how, how efficiently and gracefully can you go up something that's way within your realm of competence, but make it harder. And I think what you said sunk in. Cause I'm like, yeah, that's so true. I should be focusing on making the easy ones harder before I just go to the harder ones that I can barely do and struggle to do with with any finesse whatsoever so totally. i think that was a really cool mindset yeah and like in one of the modules within rock your body like it, it talks about like climb the same climb 10 different ways right so like cool. you know it, it it sounds like a simple exercise but like you have this climb and we we all have these movement patterns that we tend to favor right mm-hmm. you tend to like use your right hand you play to your strengths yeah like if you get off off the ground you probably get off the ground the same exact way all the time if you don't think about it like if you've never gone through that exercise of awareness but you know you you go to your strengths so like you know in the swiss army knife of moves that you have based on your you know anthropometrics your mobility your flexibility um your strengths um you're gonna move in a certain way and then you get good at that and then you just favor that so like I, I kind of highlight in the program, like the way that I started climbing, I call it crab climbing. You know, everyone does it, you know, one foot to one hold and you're always looking for the next hold or the next foot. And you're just like, like climbing mm-hmm. up a wall, like a crab. And that's how everyone starts climbing. And that's okay. Like climb that way, you know, but 
what it's going to show you is to start to unlock different moves in your Swiss Army knife. You're going to learn about flagging, back flagging, you know, how to like offset weight, you know, how to mantle, like all these different things. And you're going to start to learn and feel different ways to move, right? And then you start to open up a whole different way of moving up the wall. And it, it's just, it becomes really beautiful. Like it, it becomes a beautiful experience, like for you, but also like if someone's looking like, wow, that looks graceful, you know, but cool. it, it, you can actually have it be kind of a flow state um, experience. Um, and that's really the goal is like, I want to help you learn and, and learn really quickly, you know, like these, these basics um, so that you don't have to struggle and then, you know, make, common mistakes that like so many people make like that the goal is just like here are the things that you should really focus on and then it's just going to be really cool in the changes that you see and like how quickly you progress um so i've had people that have been like you know climbing v5s v6s and by rock your body and i was kind of nervous i was like oh shit like you know <laughs> like you know because you know it, just seeing someone who can like climb decent grades mm-hmm. um and then like i was nervous that it, you know they they wouldn't get wouldn't get any of it or or like be like oh this is bs i give my money back kind of thing and i was like okay like i'll give your money back like no problem but you know it was just i was shocked like you know the two people that were actually pretty good climbers were like oh wow like i really like the way you explained that that was a cool way of thinking and it actually helped me progress and i was like wow cool but like you know it, it definitely is for people who have like maybe been climbing for three months to a year you know, um, on and off or like consistently. Um, but like for sure it can definitely help clean up the areas that you may overlook, um, with climbing. So cool. And how do people access? So for anyone interested in rock your body, what, uh, what are the coordinates for them to be able to check out what it is and, and be able to, um, yeah. you know, get so, into that. So, um, uh, through Instagram, you can just like access the link and it's a link tree. Um, so then you can find it there. Um, but if you go to like mobility.claytonmoves.com, um, which again is on the link in my Instagram, yep. um, it can take you to all my online programs. So there's, uh, the mobility membership, there's, um, online can stretch mobility studio, OKMS, and there's also rock your body. Cool. Um, so yeah, you can just find it there and read about it there. Um, always feel free to DM me, email me if you have any questions, but yeah, it does Amazing. a pretty good job explaining what it is there. Very cool. Let's get into actually what you just brought up. So let's um, let's get into mobility because mobility is something that you, you know, Clayton is going to be the mobility team uh, leader for, for TFC, which means he'll be like the the chief nerd that nerds out the hardest on mobility will be... Nerd so hard. Yeah, nerd so hard. <laughs> I love it. Um, he'll be delivering the mobility um, section of our two-day uh, two seminar that we're going to film in Ventura in May of 2020, which will be our big flagship digital product for, uh, for next year. But he... Um, so you've done FRC and you... Like tonight, we're doing a kin stretch class that you're leading. Mm-hmm. So explain a little bit about you know, the Coles notes of why you did RFRC and what you get out of it and, you know, what people can tap into through something like the kin stretch class that you're giving. Yeah, definitely. Um, so yeah, FRC was the link that really just helped change relationship and the understanding of myself and my body. Right. So it, um, it's a systematic approach to really help you learn how to take care of your body joint by joint. Um, so it's great for athletes. It's great for pro athletes, college athletes, high school athletes, but it's great for everyone. Like it's great for your average desk worker. It's great for, you know, the 60 year old mother. It's great for, you know, the 30 year old with back pain. Like yep. it, it just, it helps you become a better human first. And then it helps you to become good at the task that you want. So mm-hmm. it's like, what's the task? I'm in a CrossFit bro. Cool. Become a human first, learn how your joints should move, make them move the way they should move 
get the joint prerequisites, and then go do CrossFit. Exactly. And guess what? You're going to be better at CrossFit, and you're going to be able to do CrossFit for longer. Yeah, more resilient, more awareness. Um, and, and it's just a thing, too. Like, you know, you, you talked about, like, running, and, you know, if people are in pain, it's like, you don't want to be told to not do the thing that you love, right? Like you don't yeah. want to be told that you can't train for ultras. You don't want to be told that you can't do the wad. Like that, it's like, you're taking, you're robbing me of the the thing that brings me most joy and that I look forward to and that, you know, I'm immersed in their community. So it's not so much as that, but it's just like forcing you to ask the questions, does my wrist move in the capacity and the range of motion that it needs to, to be able to do handstand pushups on the wall? Yeah. to do a muscle up to do ring work which is such a simple logical question but it's not a question that people i i it i was gonna say it's not a question people ask it's i don't think it's a question people know to ask mm -hmm. they don't know that their wrists are a problem they just think their wrists hurt after they do a wad because it was a hard wad right but if you don't even have the last 10 degrees to achieve the position you're forcing yourself into under load there's a solution for that mm -hmm. i'm not sure if you know it but it's accessible it's tangible and there are people out there that can help you help you achieve that last 10 degrees so that you're better at the water and you don't suffer the consequences. And I think it's just, it's everything that I really think of comes back to awareness. Mm -hmm. It's not people choosing not to do what's good for them always. It's an awareness that it's a problem in the first place. And also an awareness that there is a, there is a group of people or an approach that can help you tackle that big problem with the smallest step, which gets you closer to the solution. Totally. So like the whole foundation of like functional range conditioning and, and uh, can stretch um, is really what's called CARS. Um, so it stands for controlled articular rotations, which is a nice fancy way of saying joint circles, right? So you're taking each one of your joints through its full range of motion under load, which is an isometric contraction. So you're basically exerting force throughout your whole body, your system, you know, all your tissues, and then taking you through a range of motion and trying to get the signal into the deepest stuff, right? Like where the motion happens. So, you know, I always talk about like, okay, you want your shoulder to improve. If you don't engage enough, if you don't like, they call it irradiate. So that self-imposed isometric contraction, if you don't do that enough, then you're not getting as strong of a signal and you're not engaging as many mechanoreceptors, you know, in, you know, the muscles, the, you know, the tendons, the ligaments, the actual joint capsule, you're not getting as much force. So you're not getting a strong enough line of communication. There's too much interference just too much fuzz right so if you are able to generate that force and then actually get the movement to happen where the movement happens like where the joint meets the capsule um then you're going to get a lot of bang for your buck and um so it's being able to improve that area of your body and doing it joint by joint so the mobility routine the morning cars routine you do every single day so you take each one of your joints to their full range of motion and um, you do it every day, like brushing your teeth. And yep. it's something- it's Joint hygiene. Joint hygiene, yeah. And so it's it's something that if you didn't brush your teeth, like that would be, you'd have a, a big problem, right? Yeah. Like, you know, you'd have cavities, you have root canals, you have a lot of issues, a lot of pain. Um, same thing with your joints. Like if you don't brush the surface of your joints and every surface of your joint, um, then that part of your joint, that part of your capsule isn't gonna function as well. So you can get like, real like you know medical and real like you know nerdy and biological if you want but like essentially if that part of the capsule isn't nourished through movement then that part of the capsule isn't going to work as well it's going to be a little bit like crunchy a little bit like sticky a little bit painful maybe not the range of motion and there's there's so many other things that go into it but yeah essentially you are just exposing that part of the joint capsule to movement and so it's a system for making sure that all your joints are moved in all directions on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. And guess what? It doesn't take an hour. 
It takes very little ten time. Minutes. It takes 10 minutes. <laughs> mm -hmm. And if you can't, you know, the problem is, is people don't think there's a problem until there's a problem, mm -hmm. right? Like if we back to this whole thing, if we understand our cars better than our body, if you only got your oil changed when your engine overheated so much that it exploded, we would all agree that that's probably a silly way of doing things. Mm -hmm. But when you only wait to take care of your hips, when your low back is so painful that you can't do the activities you used to be able to do, that is the same thing. Totally. And you're doing it and you're applying that same theory to something that you can't replace. So back to the same thing. It's awareness. If you go to your doctor with back pain, your doctor's like, well, yeah, here's some drugs and doesn't really tell you why the pain's there or that there's a, or that what you do all day long is actually what's creating that pain. It's not normal to have this pain. There's stuff you can do to prevent it. There's stuff you can do to get rid of it. That's a very different conversation that's not being had. And it's not the doctor's fault. It's the entire system's fault because we're just not focusing on the right stuff. Totally. And so mo a mobility practice and this kind of joint hygiene practice of making sure your joints are moving like they're supposed to so that you don't develop problems instead of waiting till problems develop to fix them is really the approach. Like what are the place to teach that than physical education in high school? Totally. You yeah. Know, Abby was there. Um, she's another foot nerd. She came to the session yesterday and she's a high school math teacher. And she's like, we're not doing physical education. We're just doing stuff. And it's such a missed opportunity, mm -hmm. you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that's the one cool thing about, um, like the whole world that is functional range conditioning and the FRS, um, you know, community is that you've got a whole team of, you know, physicians, you know, chiropractics, you know, physios, uh, personal trainers, strength and conditioning coaches, athletic trainers, personal trainers, yoga teachers, Pilates teachers, um, and just other people, you know, mm -hmm. like, like just people all going through these seminars and all learning how to empower more people on like how to take care of themselves. And that's ultimately what it is. Like the morning cars routine is your bread and butter, you know, it's your go-to, but it's also a, it has this built-in system on how to self-assess each one of your body parts, right? Mm -hmm. Like, and you start to learn like what isn't working well. And, you know, by that umbrella term of like, what's not working well, it could be lack of range of motion. It could be closing angle joint pain, which is something that, you know, you should get checked out by someone else if you're having that. Um, it could be, you know, achiness, like crunchiness, like uh, I'm tight, you know, it could be cracking, popping, like, you know, not feeling good. So all these things under like, not working well you know you know what joint it is and you yeah. know where it happens within that spot so like we were talking about like so when you do go to um your chiropractor or your massage therapist or you know even if it isn't within the frs system you can be like so when i internally rotate my shoulder in extension i get this like kind of pinchiness there exactly so much more information yes. to that practitioner they're like oh shit like you know susie knows what's going on like yeah. she doesn't know like what's going on exactly but like she doesn't know how to fix it but she she just told me what i need to do for her it's the same thing with like you know my my car needed inspected and it was just like Oh, you know, like it's making this like sound with the muffler only when it's in reverse and when I turn the wheel. And I told my mechanic that I'm like, I don't know if that helps you, but that's what I found. Yeah, you know, like <laughs> that's, that's the data, right? And he's like, oh, I don't know, you know, and you know, he went along and, and did what he did. But like, I, I tried to be as informed as I could be yes. about the situation, and that's what you know, mobility training is all about: is empowering the individual to know the signs of like, okay, I can actually work on this. I know how to work on this. I I have this tool belt of things that I can do every single day. And, you know, if, if I need more guidance, I can reach out to a practitioner, whether in person, which by the way, in person is going to be the best. Mm -hmm. Um, you get more 
hands-on, you get more like a critical eye, but like, you know, tons of FRC and kin stretch practitioners have online platforms. Like, you know, I have mine, we're talking about it, but there are so many other people too. Like, you know, if my jokes don't land on you, then like there, <laughs> which they might, like, if you don't like dad jokes, like you're going to want to find another practitioner. Right. So, um, and there are so many different kin stretch and FRC, you know, instructors that have online platforms and it's becoming more and more. And I think it's amazing because then you have different strokes for different folks, different strokes for different folks. Uh, there's a saying, and you know, it, it's just nice because if it's not me, like you're going to get someone else who really cares about helping you learn how to move better. Yeah. You know, and like, that's, that's so cool. Like, the, and again, that's the power of the internet. That's the power of like voting with your dollars. Like you get to support these people who have invested in themselves to learn, in my opinion, the best way to learn how to take care of yourself. And, and these, these people are great. Like everyone within that community is just like, you know, good people and they, yeah. ju they just want the best. And so, yeah. Very that, cool. That's, that's why yeah. I love mobility training. Yeah, and I think mobility is a word that gets you gets thrown around a huge amount now, and I think it's, uh, which is good, right? There's a bigger awareness of what mobility is and that you should be working on mobility. Mm -hmm. But I also think that not enough people are taking a truly systematic approach to mo to doing mobility work, mm -hmm. and understanding that mobility isn't isn't a hobby, right? Like it's not something you do once a week for fun, or that you do before you work out. It's something that you work on as a practice to maintain your vehicle and guess what if you live like a hunter gatherer you wouldn't have to do mobility but the reality is that we live in an environment that is not friendly to our joints it it facilitates us putting our joints in single positions for long periods of time most of which is sitting and so there is some work that goes into being able to reclaim and and get rid of some of those problems that you may have picked up throughout your life and mm -hmm. like put it this way if you went to high school or you went to university you have joints that are not moving like they're supposed to it's just a reality unless you're working on it or have been working on it every day so you know it's something that just look into it become informed understand how your body works um you know start taking on whatever amount of knowledge you feel comfortable taking the time to invest in learning um, because learning about your body is always a good investment, just like we talked about at the start. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's having and developing a relationship with your body. So many people are like, you know, are, are essentially divorced from their body. Like they yeah. have no idea how it's moving or how to even tell like yep. how it's working. And so, and that's scary. If you, something's <laughs> wrong and you have no idea what's going on, like when you have back pain, you didn't know it was up and you're having people like surgeons coming up to you and saying the word surgery, that is scary. Anxiety shit, overload, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, and like, it's one of those things where you're right. We've essentially, you know, shipped off any requirement for understanding about the body to the medical community, mm -hmm. which is all too happy to give us stuff. Fixes. Fixes, quick fixes, but is, is very reluctant to even knowing how to, you know, have you have an understanding of it. And because having an understanding of what the problem is without even touching the problem gives you way more peace of mind and a better sense of control that you have power to control the outcome of how healthy you are. Totally. It's not going to be easy. It's going to take work and, and gaining the knowledge is essentially just gathering the tools to go into battle, but it's the most important battle of your whole life. Right. Cause no one's going to fight for you harder than you. Exactly. Like that, that's it. Like if you're not putting in the work, putting in the effort, taking upon the responsibility to actually do your part, because like if you always rely on other people to try and take care of you whether it's like your health or family or relationships or anything like it's not gonna it's not gonna be done you know and yeah. and and that's the thing too like i always like to try and discuss the caveat um of that i i did i agree that every 
you know, profession within the health field has its place. And I also agree with, you know, different things to help you feel better in the moment is a part of the equation, right? Yep. So like, I agree. you know, if you need to get that, you know, massage and, you know, it, it does so much, you know, it, it releases endorphins, it helps you feel better, you know, you get the, you know, human touch, like the, there is so much that goes into pain science and like actually healing. Um, but, you know, if that's all you're doing, then you're missing a huge piece of the puzzle. Like if all you're doing is, you know, popping ibuprofen or hitting a foam roll, hitting a foam roller, like rolling on a ball, um, getting trigger point, um, you know, getting uh, needles or like, you know, taping something like, and again, like all these modalities are part of the puzzle and like definitely utilize them because it's going to help you feel good in that moment. It's going to facilitate the healing. It's going to help you physically um but it, it it's just the start it's just yeah. the start of it if that's all you do like you need to do more yep i agree and more just starts with learning a little bit and implementing a little bit every day and just trying to be better every day and so um yeah i think that's a good way to wrap it up so if you want to find clayton uh on instagram it's clayton.moves mm -hmm. perfect and then he's got a link tree under his bio that you can access his mobility membership where if you want some accountability and guidance on how to get started working on reclaiming joint mobility um having someone to give you that guidance that's a really good option he's got okms and he's also we also have tfc climb which is a really kind of blossoming community to try and create a better climbing shoe as a collective, not just as one company trying to make a product to sell to make money. It's there's a gap, there needs to be a better product, there's a need for a better product. And we want to work with everyone that's willing to get on board to just try and make that a reality. Mm -hmm. So anyway, we hope that this episode gave you a little bit of insight into, you know, if this makes one person go out and go to a climbing gym on a Sunday for fun, we've accomplished the goal of, you know, we would have had this conversation regardless of whether it was Mike's in our face or not. So, so we I did think, already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we've done plenty of that. Um, and uh, yeah, we hope that this gave you some sort of tip that you can implement in your life and we'll catch you next time.